global emissions of CO2 would need to peak within three years to stave off the worst impacts of climate change. But how? This podcast will explore how the new generation of green startups try to find solutions on the climate crisis. This is Green Entrepreneurs. Welcome to this second episode of Green Entrepreneurs. My name is Marie, and I'm working on this project called Green Entrepreneurs at Station, the innovation house on Frederiksberg. And in this podcast, I will dive into a sector that has to change if we're going to have a sustainable transition that we really need. So I've been looking very much forward to this episode because it's about biodiversity. Denmark is not doing a very good job when we talk about biodiversity. We have a lot of agriculture and almost no wild forests. And we need biodiversity for sustaining our ecosystems. It's not only for the beauty of the flowers. But to really understand the challenges we're facing with our lack of biodiversity in Denmark, I talked to Anna sanchez Barfold, who's an expert in this area. Yes, thank you. Um, my name is Anna sanchez Barfold, and I'm an associate professor at Aarhus University, and I'm also the university representative in the Danish node of the international organization called uh, IPBES. I'll get back to that later. We are going to talk about biodiversity in this episode, but what is the status on biodiversity in Denmark today? Well, to answer that, I, I would like to uh, start a little bit uh, more generally. And you can also say that, that there are three uh, dimensions uh, of the uh, our um, or the, the nature crisis. And one dimension is uh, the pollution crisis, which is very tangible. And then we have another dimension, which is the climate, climate crisis that we all talk about, um, especially this after this summer where we had some pretty extreme weather events. And then finally, we have the biodiversity crisis, the third uh, dimension, which is much less concrete, and it's fairly low, still fairly low on the international agenda. It was only uh, in until 2012 that the United Nations took this initiative to form a biodiversity panel uh, called uh, IPBs or IPBES. In 2019, uh, IPES, they issued their first global report on, on biodiversity. And it actually contained a lot of interesting figures and a lot of, um, thoughts on how to deal with the biodiversity crisis. So you can say that, that this three dimensional thing, it, it's, it, in a way, it's just the way that we, um, we frame it. Um, because the three crises, of course, um, really uh, interdependent. In this IPES um, report that was issued in 2019, uh, they enumerate the reasons for that the biodiversity on, is threatened on a global level. And the most important um, uh, reason is the... Um, uh, the um, the way that we use uh, our uh, space, uh, the way we use nature, 
Uh, so that's the, the first one. And the second one is direct uh, extraction of resources from from uh, nature, for example, fishing and uh, timber. Um, and then there are some other reasons also. Climate change is actually number three. And then we have invasive species and, and other reasons as well. So this uh, thing about how we use our space uh, is, of course, really important in Denmark, where more than 60% of the of the land is used for agriculture. 15% is forest. And most of these forests are actually cultivated forests that we use for timber production. And then 11% of the land is uh, taken up by uh, cities and roads. And that means that there's only 10% for back for nature. And those 10% are actually more or less uh, impacted by human activities. But I think uh, Denmark has a problem. Uh, we need to allocate more space for for nature. And how do you see the cities uh, in this, like in the role uh, to gain more the, the biodiversity? Cities, Is that a good thing to use the cities, or the cities are really super important because the cities um, there's two things in it. There's the uh, demonstration value, so that people um, in the cities. Uh, can actually, they're surrounded by nature and they get a insight into nature and how nature functions and they will start to ask for more nature also when they, they go, go outside the cities. So I think that is one reason. And the other thing is, it has been proven in several scientific papers that being surrounded by green space uh, improves your mental health. Uh, it's beyond doubt. So it's also um, good for our uh, mental well-being, being surrounded by by uh, nature in the cities, and then for biodiversity itself, uh, it make it creates corridors. So it might actually be a way to uh, connect up uh, fragments of nature in a way that the species can move through these uh, these corridors. They can also have an effect there. But if you look out in, in uh, like on Denmark in 2050, what is your vision for the biodiversity in Denmark? How does it look like? Well, my vision is, of course, that we are actually allocated 30% of the land for nature purposes and that we have 10% are uh, very strictly protected. That is actually the ambition of uh, the EU strategy. Uh, so I think that uh, by 2050, we should have uh, vast green spaces. And I, I reckon that it's, it's going to be difficult. Um, we are in a, in a time of great change. But you can see, I, I, have, I have great hope for the process because you see it's picking up now in, in the population. And it's not a, a linear thing, it, it's accumulative. So you have an exponential change. So first you have the snowball uh, rolling. Uh, it goes quite fast, actually. Okay. Thank you so much for giving this insight in the status of the biodiversity in Denmark. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. That was really interesting to hear. And now I want to welcome you, Louise Kjær Hansen. You're working with some of the challenges that Anna just mentioned uh, in your startup, or The Urban Tree. 
Can you maybe just start presenting yourself and your startup? Yes. Um, hello, my name is Louise and I am one of the two co-founders of Urban Tree. Um, I have studied uh, biology, so I have a master's in biology where I have specialized in uh, climate change and urban nature. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And why did you start the Urban Tree? <laughs> um, well, it's... Uh, It's it's kind of uh, based on on two ideas, and uh, it all started in I think it was 2020, um, where I'm working together with my uh, co-founder. We have uh, well, we work in a small research consultancy company called Seaware, and uh, what we do there is uh, we are involved in several EU research projects, um, mostly about building materials. Um, more particularly uh, concrete and how to um, uh, yeah how to make that more sustainable um, and then the other part of it is that we work and live in the city and uh, both very interested in how the city is developing um, and we feel like there are a lot of places where we could do a lot better in terms of the greening part um, and creating you know more places where people can meet and and hang out and to enjoy nature. Mm. So just to put some words on what is the urban tree? Yes. <laughs> We wanted to have a solution that's uh, a multifunctional uh, structure that can strengthen the biodiversity in urban areas, but also be able to store rainwater and uh, help mitigate the, the urban heat island effect uh, while also having this... Um, element of of adding green greening to our cities um so the the idea was kind of to um get more nature into our cities but also lowering uh, the material footprint um because we use um a, a new type of of concrete uh, you can almost say and this has a, a much lower co2 footprint than conventional concrete What we do is that we use uh, recycled industrial residues, um, which also gives the these uh, concrete modules that it's made up of uh, different colors, uh, depending on where the industrial residues uh, come from. So in that sense, we are um, we are recycling uh, some materials that would all uh, that would otherwise end up in landfills, um, and then reusing it uh, in this structure. So it's actually also more than just biodiversity focus. It's also trying to reuse some concrete um, and also to store some rainwater that will maybe be a problem uh, in the future that we'll have too much water in the cities that don't know where to go. Yeah. Um, but can you maybe put some words on what challenges do you want to solve with this? Um, like how do you... How will the urban tree make a difference for, for example, biodiversity in Denmark? Um, so, um, the urban tree is is probably more of a um, of a building block. So you you put it together with all these other things uh, going on in the city, and this will be at a micro scale, I guess you could call it. 
but there will still be um, room for these plants and then sub subsequently different kinds of insects and maybe some birds as well that will enjoy um, going there and, and, and uh, yeah, experiencing that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when you look around in the cities right now, it's quite gray. So in that way, it can be a, a way to green the cities a yes, bit. Yes, definitely. Um, and that's also what, I guess, our mission is to to expand the greening market, as you can call it. Because um, a lot of places, um, it's not really possible to plant a tree, for example. Yeah, but uh, I, I remember that Anna said that he... Like that, it, that we also need in the cities some corridors for for uh, species to kind of go around. So maybe this can also be a, a function of the urban tree that actually solves one of these challenges. Yes, yes, we we can kind of see it as a, a stepping stone uh, towards those corridors. Um, even though it's a small one, but when you then put it together with hopefully a bigger mass of of greening, whether it's uh, green walls or green roofs and and small parks that are being made, then uh, then it begins to, to actually look like a, a corridor. And the very nice thing about this one, as you said before, it's more flexible, that you can put it on other places where you could no, not normally like plant a tree. Yes, and that's the, that's the, <laughs> the whole idea of it, uh, that it's more flexible and, and can also be something that's not as permanent, because the city is always changing. Where are you in the process right now with the urban tree? Is there some of these constructions you can see in the city or are you more in the prototype phase? So, um, so um, the thing about building something like this, because it's uh, it's it's such a big structure, it can get up to... Well, it's, it's made up of different modules, but then you can um, make it into like three meters tall uh, structure, basically. Um And of course, that's quite difficult to to do uh, to get the funding for a full scale prototype. Um, so that's what we are still trying to to um, to push forward. Um, luckily, we've secured some some good uh, collaborations. Um, so that's uh, that's you know that's uh, a way to to go. Um, and then it's also a part of a, a demonstration project in one of uh, the EU projects that uh, we're involved with. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you are still like, so one of the challenges you are facing is more like finding the funding for actually... Finding the funding and, and then um, hopefully uh, when we then get some funding to do a full-scale prototype, then we need to do the testing. Mm. And uh, there will, of course be some hiccups uh, that we need to uh, solve along the way. And when did you start? In what year? Um, so uh, we started in in December 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So also really in the beginning? Yes, kind of, quite yeah. quite a lot in the beginning, yes. It takes some time to get started. Yeah, yeah. So becoming an entrepreneur, was it something that you have always thought about that you wanted to become? Or was it something a bit more impulsive for you? Um, definitely something a bit more impulsive. Um, it was it was in the beginning just you know a bit of a crazy idea, <laughs> and then uh, uh, and then we I guess we just talked about it some more and, and did some research and then we were getting into it. So it was uh, definitely not something I had seen coming for me. I've worked as a project coordinator and project manager. So uh, this is very different from what I normally do. 
Mm-hmm. And are you glad that you took the decision for becoming a green entrepreneur, or are you, or what are you thinking? No, I'm I'm glad I did it, but uh, um, there's definitely some some good days and some bad days. But I think it has all been quite a big uh, big learning. Um, and uh, yeah, and also just maybe some personal development actually. Um, but I really like the environment of startups. Um, it's very inspiring, and uh, there's always a very good energy, and people are very encouraging as well. How does a normal day look for you now as an entrepreneur? I imagine it's a bit different than being a project manager, for example. Uh, yes, um, and uh, I can maybe say that I'm also not kind of a full-time entrepreneur because I still have my my normal job as yeah as, um but usually it it it's a lot of uh research and we have been reaching out to potential customers which also takes a lot of time um and going to different uh conferences or workshops uh to get inspiration and also to network is uh, is a big part of it If you look into the future and you look around in the city, maybe in 2050, how does it look like in your mind? Oh, um, that's a very good question. Hopefully, um, the way that the city is being built um, has become more of a user, like a user-centric approach to it, because um, I really feel like we need a more holistic view on how to build and who is using the city and how we use it and to bring more nature in because that's uh, really what we're missing right now. And I still don't feel like even though there are some movements towards, you know, um, including biodiversity uh, into how we build and and design, I still feel like we have a long way to go. So hopefully by 2050, we will have uh, a more green city. <laughs> that's uh, more livable some people say that that maybe we could just like uh, cramp together in the cities and then we can have all the biodiversity on the, like on the countryside so that it's kind of separated yes how what do you think about this i think that would be a shame yeah <laughs> also because then people would uh, get too far away from from nature and not really know what it what it does and what it yeah what it how it looks um but also just you know if if you think about all the um, the services that nature actually provides for us uh, nature based solutions it's, it's it's so important to have that incorporated in our cities and and for our mental health as well that's uh, very crucial it would be really sad to go around in this concrete jungle and not see any plants or any insects at all yeah Yeah, I agree with you <laughs> in that. Um, yeah, so as I mentioned in this in the beginning, this podcast is a part of the project called Green Entrepreneurs. Um, and in Green Entrepreneurs, we try to create a stronger multidisciplinary community across young green startups. But this podcast is also about to inspire people who want to start with doing green entrepreneurship So I want to ask you, Louise, do you have like a tip for people who want to start with green entrepreneurship? Now you did it <laughs> kind of like uh, as an impulse or as an idea through your work. Do you have any advice for starting with this when you are in another 
uh, part of your life? Um, yes. Yeah, so if if you have a good idea, then go for it. Um, and what I think shaped our um, startup the most was becoming part of a uh, mentor program quite early on. Um, so definitely do something like that if it's possible. Um, because you get so much uh, feedback and input and you also come into some situ situations that uh, you know really uh, that you can really learn from um, and uh, maybe you um, if if it's part of the mentorship or something that you can uh, get really good at pitching because that's uh, something you'll probably do and for most most people it's quite nerve-wracking but when you get the hang of it then it's uh, then it's okay <laughs> And then um, I think it's also quite uh, important to uh, very very early on define who your um, potential clients could be um, and then try and talk to them and see what they think of the idea. Uh, and maybe that'll change the idea a little bit, but that's okay. Just be open to it. Yeah. And it, like, if you're interested in this, like, what is the next step for the Urban Tree Um, is there something like the next half year you're going to focus on? Or? Um, yes, we have a, um, a strong focus on, on securing some funding um, to get this uh, full-scale prototype up and running and testing it so we, can, uh, so we can show it to people and show that it actually works. And then we feel that uh, that, that would be make it easier for us to make the first sale. Mm. Okay, thank you so much. It's been very interesting to hear about your work in the urban tree and and also thank you to Anna's scientist Barful and all your knowledge and the challenges for biodiversity and what we can do about it. Um, I really hope that I see your urban trees um, soon in the cities <laughs> because I also think that it could need a bit more green and I hope also that people maybe feel inspired to maybe go out themselves look around see should there be some more green greenery in the cities and mm -hmm. can you do something about it yourself um yeah so thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs>